0: We're going to start a little series. It's kind of a mini series coming out at the end of the book of Ephesians called Battle Ready. The word stand is an incredibly important word. The word stand appears multiple times in the text on spiritual warfare. Now listen to me very carefully. Most books that you will purchase and make authors really, really good money have nothing to do with standing. They're always telling you to chase the enemy, to run the enemy down. There's nowhere in the text of Scripture that it gives any indication that that's what spiritual warfare is all about. We have the victory in Jesus Christ. It is already won. If you are in Jesus Christ, the victory is in you. So we're not to go chasing after all these things. We're to stand in the power of the Spirit, which strength is a gift. That's what Paul says. So when you read scripture, when you see a word appear over and over and over again, that means it's repetition, and that means the Apostle Paul wants us to understand what it's like in this world that's an invisible war, what it's like to have invincible power by standing. Sometimes in a marriage, you just have to stand. You can't run, you stand. Sometimes with children, you can't run, you stand. Sometimes in a job situation that seems overwhelming, you just stand in the strength of his spirit and the power of his spirit. That's what Paul says, battle ready, stand. Notice what he says here in verses 10 through 13. He says, "'Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord "'and in the power of his might. "'Put on the whole armor of God "'that you may be able to stand,' not chase, "'stand against the wiles of the devil, "'the schemes of the devil. "'For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood.'" but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, here it is again, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, that's the word stand again, in the evil day and having done all to stand, verse 14, stand. So stand is the word that we're going to talk about today. So there's an invisible war going on. Um, there is an invisible killer out there. It's in our homes. It even can leak into your vehicle. Um, there's an invisible killer that sends people to the hospital almost every day because it's tasteless, it's odorless, and you don't know how to detect this invisible killer. This invisible killer is called carbon monoxide and we in scripture have an invisible killer it's not that we see the devil but he unleashes his demonic forces and it's an invisible killer that is willing to take you out not take you down take you out so there's a battle going on but the battle remember has already been won at the cross in Jesus Christ so we stand in the power of his spirit So Paul says in verse 10, here's where the text says, finally, my brethren, when he says the word finally, he's taking everything he's told us in chapters one through six up to this point. He's saying, those of you who are in Christ, those of you who have been brought from death into life, those who have been strengthened, chapter three, in the inner man. Then we saw chapter four, how he lives in us and wills for us to be a part of the unity of the body. In chapter five, we talked about how parents are filled with the Holy Spirit. Husbands are filled with the Spirit. Wives are filled with the Spirit. Children are filled with the Spirit. Bondservants are filled with the Spirit. Masters are filled with the Spirit. And then you come into spiritual warfare, and you don't dismiss everything that he said, because your identity in Christ leads to activity, and the activity of warfare takes someone stronger than you. And so what Paul is saying is, I'm wrapping everything up by saying, finally, my brethren, notice what the text says, be strong. Wrong. In the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, this is important to understand. Notice the location of the strength here. A lot of times, what we like to do is we like to become strong in ourselves. We like to pull ourselves up and say, you know what, I'm going to get strong. I need to stop doing this and I need to stop doing that. So, I need to become strong in myself. And what happens is, rather than finally be strong in the Lord, we take what we think is our strength and then we We bring our strength and we give it over to God. Can I tell you that's not what Paul says to do at all? You don't have any strength you can bring to the table. He says be strong in the Lord. It's in the passive tense which means something outside of you has to bring that strength to you. So it's not about you being strong, it's about God being strong in you. You don't bring anything to the table but a heart that bows before him, a heart that rests in him, a heart that trusts in him. We don't conjure up strength. Our strength is in the Lord. Paul says, now be strong in the strength that is in the Lord. Some of us need to let go of the strength that we're trying to muster up to make things happen. It's like Misty said, you know, a lot of us try to control situations because we feel like there's a little strength we can bring to the table. So what today we need to understand is that we don't bring any supplemental strength to the table with God. It is His strength and His strength alone that captures who we are and whose we are, and we understand that we are to be strong in the Lord. That preposition means in to, and so we're to be strong in the Lord. The location of our strength is in Him. So we have to let go of our self-dependency, and we have to understand that Christ's dependency and Christ's sufficiency— So Paul here lets us know in the battle, battle ready, stand, that your strength and my strength comes from God. Now, when you trust Christ as your Savior, He comes to live in you. He comes to dwell in you. That's what Paul's been telling us for five chapters, almost six chapters now. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So your strength comes from him. We don't add anything to it. What we add is our surrender to him. When we surrender to him, it's 100% our surrender to Jesus and 100% his power. So you have a 200% relationship. So when you go into a marriage and that marriage looks like it's going to drown, you remember your strength is not in your spouse. Your strength is in God. And you don't run from God. You run to God. Your strength is from God. And so today, this morning, I want us to understand that we have all power living in us if we've trusted Jesus as our Savior. So Paul says, verse 10, look at it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The word for power means uh, proven strength. It's one thing to have strength inside of you, but when you prove that strength, it lets you know that you're king of the hill. You remember playing that game? When somebody would win at king of the hill, that means that the person that ended up on top of the hill was the king because his proven strength or her proven strength, was able to knock everybody else off the mountain. And so the idea is, Paul says, is I want you to be strong in the Lord. I want you to have that strength that comes from God, the location of that strength that's inside of you, and that strength that is God's strength, He is strong, and that's proven strength in every situation. How in the world are you going to do your job without a strength that comes from the Lord and it's proven because he is strong? You're going to have to love kids that aren't very lovable. I know I could live the Christian life if it wasn't for people. Seriously. I could live the Christian life. I need a power inside of me that is not only strong, but it's proven that in a situation that's challenging, in a situation where there's tension between people, that that proven strength is from God in me. So God in me loves that student. God in me loves that person on the job. God in me loves my spouse. So that is proven strength when we yield and surrender to him. Look at verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There's another word for strength. The word might means inherent strength. Back in the 80s, when the Astrodome was alive and well, and World as well, Leslie and I were going to Papado's before the Oilers played the Steelers on Sunday afternoon. We went on Saturday night to the Papado's right across from the Astrodome. And in came both teams to eat seafood. And we saw them coming, and I looked up from the menu, and I said, there they are. Here come the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here come the Houston Orders. Sean Jones, Chris Dishman, I mean, Warren Moon. All these guys are coming in, and I was in the presence of inherently strong people. And here came the Steelers. I was in the presence of inherently strong people. And then they decided all at the same time that they were going to go to the restroom together because I knew that was a fight was going to break out. Seriously, they did. So I didn't have to go to the bathroom. I took care of business before. But I walked into the restroom, God being my witness, and Chris Dishman was running his mouth to a couple of the Steelers, and security was in there, and you thought that there was a breakout fixing to happen right there in the restroom. My point of the story is, I was in the presence of inherently strong people, Sean Jones, 6'9", with a wingspan of 12 or 13. Are you kidding me? Here's the point I want to make. In Jesus Christ, I am in the presence of inherently strong God, who in his presence, he is so strong and his hugeness is so big that me as a person who has surrendered my life to him, if I can just say that God is good and God is big, Jesus doesn't have to go get strength. He is strength. He is strength. He doesn't have to go anywhere to get it. You see, the location of our strength is in him. And so it says here, lest we think we can bring some supplemental strength to the table, Paul says, be strong in the Lord, number one, in the power, proven strength, number two, of his might, he is inherently strong. So what problem do you have this morning that a resurrected Jesus Christ, who is inherently strong in all situations, cannot handle for you? If you're in the presence of him, and you have surrendered your life to him, then you can trust him no matter what. He loves you, and all you have to do is stand in the strength that has been given to you as a gift. Verse 11. So verse 10 is a command. Now the command in verse 10 does not come into fruition until you follow the command of verse 11. The command of verse 11 says this, put on. Well, if you're going to put on the whole armor of God, look at the text, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If you're going to put on the whole armor of God, you've got to take off self-sufficiency. You've got to take off self-dependency. You've got to come to a place, and I've got to come to a place in my life where I put on the whole armor of God. Listen, not only is it God's strength, it's God's armor in the battle. I used to get confused because there's like six or seven pieces here of uh, putting on the pieces of armor. And I used to get confused in the morning. I'd say, well, do I put on the, belt, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth? What, what do I put on? Here's what I found out. When you put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you wear him as a garment, when you yield to him, you've just put on every piece of armor because he's every piece of armor, It's in Jesus Christ. You don't have to go number one, number two, number three, number four. No, you just put on, look, the whole armor of God. That is Jesus Christ. Our battle warrior is Jesus Christ. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes or the wiles of the devil. So the idea of stand means that you face someone, you, you don't run, you don't tuck your tail, you don't walk into a situation, and I don't walk into a situation that's challenging and say, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do here. I'm going to face whatever I'm going to face because of who lives in me, who is strong, who is mighty, and who is powerful. So if I have put on the Lord Jesus Christ and he lives in me, then I face the enemy head on. I don't worry about anything else. I've got strength inherently in me, and so I'm able to stand. A Roman soldier, when Paul would be writing from prison, He would be chained to a Roman soldier, and also those in Ephesus would see Roman soldiers roaming about with all of this armor on. So Paul is making a statement here about the armor of God, and he says, when you put the armor of God, you just stand. The idea is these Roman soldiers would have spikes, two to three inch spikes on the bottom of their cleats that would help them stand in situations where they needed to stand. And so what the text says here is that we would stand against the schemes of the devil. You see, there's an invisible war out there that's being fought. And it's the schemes of the devil, the prince of the power of the air. There are people who are in the hands of Satan. We're born that way. We're born into the family of sin. And then what happens is there are schemes of the devil. The devil doesn't want to just take you out. He wants to take over your life and he wants to just destroy you. But we can stand. And one of the things you do when you stand is you face your enemy. Craig Childs was a uh, naturalist and he, he didn't hunt mountain lions, but he studied them in North America. So when he would go to North America, he would face many mountain lions. One time he was tracking this particular mountain lion down by this watering hole. And so he was studying from afar. He had his binoculars. And so when the mountain lion would take its leave from the watering hole and go somewhere else, Craig Childs would, would kind of track around and come to the watering hole. And he was uh, measuring the footprints of this huge uh, mountain lion. And one day when he was measuring the footprints of this huge mountain lion, he heard the mountain lion and he turned around and within 30 feet was that mountain lion facing him. He knew two things from studying mountain lions. Number one, you don't look scared. Try that one out. Number two, you don't run. If you run that will be the end of you. You face the mountain lion. He, at his own story, says when the mountain lion turned and looked at me and started tracking back a little bit, I began to face the lion. I began to stand. I began to look at the lion. And then we were about 10 to 15 feet from one another. And he let out this huge roar. And he said, then after that, the mountain lion left. The point of the story is that when we see the schemes of the devil, and you don't think for a moment that there's not demonic activity. Don't think for a moment that Satan is not the enemy of your soul. Don't think for a moment that there are not forces that are working that are evil. There are, but our power is in the rest of, and the resurrected Lord, so we understand that. But we stand. There's a lot of books that I've read about running to, chasing out, There there was a pastor one time that thought there was a demon behind every little piece of wallpaper in his office. He got fired from his job, by the way. But we like to say there's a demon behind this, and there's, listen, the devil goes to and fro on the earth, but he releases demonic activity through his demons and the fallen angels because he can only be at one place at one time. So there are forces that are working. And Paul says, You stand. We as a church, we stand. And when you've done everything to stand, you just keep on standing. For some of you, that's a word you can take out of here today. You need to stand in whatever situation you find yourself today. You stand in the truth of God's word. Listen, we're not talking about two equal powers here. We're talking about God who is inherently strong. It's not two equal powers. It's not like Ali and Frazier in Manila when we were wondering back in the day, who's gonna win? They're going to the last round, who's gonna win? It's like Westbrook and Harden playing Thompson Intermediate. They're gonna dominate, they're gonna win. And so our savior has already won the victory and that's the reason that we stand. We move from victory, we don't move for victory. We move to victory because the victory is already ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we're talking about here. And that's what Paul's making sure we understand. Now, look what he says next. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Where are your problems today? Where are my problems? Flesh and blood. This is the greatest, first, foremost principle in counseling that you tell people is the person that you're talking to in counseling, your problem is not flesh and blood. Your problem is there's an enemy who likes to impersonate. There's an enemy that likes to twist the truth and he will use human flesh. But your problem is not the person that's sitting across from you. Your problem is there's an enemy that wants to destroy all of you and wants to destroy all of us. So our problem, what the text says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So there's an invisible war going on. That's what Paul's saying. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Sounds like an iCloud to me. How many of you just understand the iCloud? No, we don't understand it, but we trust it. We trust that we put our financial information, our personal information, somewhere in the cloud. Now, if someone were to go into that cloud and erase that cloud or erase us, we'd have all kinds of problems. See, it's an invisible war. The spiritual war is an invisible war. There is an enemy that is always trying to twist the truth. And you see, one of the things that he gets us on is he wants us to compromise the truth. He wants us to go a different direction. And so the idea is, is there's a war going on in the eye cloud, but we have to stand and understand where our victory really is. Is. So the idea is, I'll let the people who are smarter than me comment on the shootings. But let me say this our problem is not the person that is doing the shooting or the people they're getting shot at. The problem is, there's an enemy that wants to destroy people and all of us who live in sin and yield to sin can do anything outside God's will. Don't ever say, I will never, ever, ever do that because listen, you are a sitting duck for Satan if you say you won't do it. He will sift you like wheat. Listen, we focus on the one who is all powerful. And when we see these shootings, when we see the the stabbings and the knives and all the stuff, we have to realize there's a spiritual battle going on for the souls of people. And sometimes people exert pressure and do things that because they're in the hands of the enemy and they have no other place to turn. The good news about the church of Jesus Christ is we can tell them, if you can give your soul and your heart and your mind and your body to the Lord Jesus Christ, he can do amazing things in your life. He can change your heart. He can make you from an enemy of God to a friend of God because of what has happened on the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is important. I'm not minimizing anything here, but I want to maximize the fact that we are in a war. We are in a battle. And people are fleshing out their sin and their hatred. Listen, when there is hateful ideology, anytime the name of Jesus is defaced and God's name is defaced, that is hateful ideology. And what we have is people who are losing control because they're not under the control of the one who came to give them life. And when they can experience life, when you can experience life, your whole life can be changed. Paul says... Verse 13, and we're coming home. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God in the evil day. Do I need to tell you that we're in an evil day? Do I need to tell you that we're in a day of evil? We're in the last days on this earth in prophecy, and we are in an evil day. You never know when you go into a Walmart where you pull up to a gas station, you're thinking what could possibly go wrong here. Everything can go wrong. Anybody who is outside the will of God, outside the grace of God, outside of experiencing the personal relationship with Jesus Christ can do anything and hurt people. So we have to understand that we put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Let me close with this story. In South America, there was a gentleman who lived in a village and he woke up one day and there was a 25-foot anaconda in his house, in the village, a small little village where people lived next to each other. That uh, anaconda was thrashing and wreaking havoc in the house. He ran out of the village. He ran out of the house. He got some people and he said, what are we gonna do? And the man said, I'm going to get my rifle. And so what happened was the man picked up his rifle. Notice what Paul says. You take up the full armor of God. He picked up his rifle. He went into the house. He put the bullseye on the snake's head. He shot the snake and killed the snake. Now listen carefully. The snake thrashed for the next hour. When they went into the house to pull that dead anaconda snake out by its head, it had thrashed the entire house. It had thrashed all kinds of stuff. It looked like a disaster inside that house. The point is this. Jesus Christ, listen, on the cross, Put a bullet in the head of Satan, and all he can do is wreak havoc on people's lives. But our victory is when we take up the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done all, you just stand. You just stand. Listen, some of you have no ability to stand in God because you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior. There's no power. The location of your strength is in you, in your flesh. And you're trying to win a battle that Jesus already won. And the location of your strength is in yourself. All you need to do today is ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You want victory in your life? It doesn't mean that things are gonna go smooth. It doesn't mean that things are gonna go easy. But if you want victory in your life, you trust Christ as your Savior. You let Him overwhelm you by His grace. And then you will find that you can stand in whatever situation you can stand in. Listen, it would be easy for me to quit. It would be easy for me to throw in the towel. I've been through enough pain for a million lifetimes in my thinking. But God tells me every single day, you get out of bed You put your foot on the floor and you stand in my strength. You stand, you stand. Listen, don't tell me I'm strong. I am a puddled mess, but my God who lives in me is lifting me up and giving me strength where I don't have any strength because I'm able to preach and teach to you, not because I'm strong, but because he's strong. And God still has a plan for my life. And if he has a plan for my life, he has a plan for your life. He does, he has a plan and he loves you. Can we just be real up in here? Listen to me, I have struggles, you have struggles. But there is one who's conquered all the struggles and the victory is in Him. So I want to encourage you today, no matter what you face, no matter what situation is right before your eyes, no matter what you're looking at, don't look at the situation. Look to the Savior. If you focus on the situation, you'll quit, you'll run, you'll bow before fear. But if you focus on Him, He'll infuse you with His strength and His power, and you can trust Him. No matter what happens in your life, it is about the power of Jesus working through our lives. For all of eternity for this earth and for all of eternity where we'll give him praise.